Hello, and welcome to Coaster Kings Radio. I'm Ian O'Donnell, and today we continue our ongoing mini-sode series, The Regional Park Story. While the theme park would influence and change the American amusement park, there was one element from amusement parks that would really influence theme parks. The popularity of thrill rides at regional theme parks had become apparent very quickly in the 1960s. By the 1967 opening of Six Flags Over Georgia, a roller coaster was a must-have for any regional theme park. Arrow, SDC, Shorts Cobb, and Zyre Steel coasters were quickly growing in popularity, with installations almost every year of the second half of the 60s. Overseas, new large-scale coasters were being built, such as 1964's Montaña Rusa at Mexico's Juegos Mecanicos de Chapultepec, a double-tracked Woody by National Amusement Device Company, and 1966's Giant Coaster at Japan's Fuji-Q Highland, a steel coaster by Misho, which exceeded heights of 80 feet or 25 meters. In 1971, Six Flags would ask Schwarzkopf to create a custom version of his Jetstar 2, which debuted as Big Bend, with a top height of 80 feet, 25 meters, top speed of 52 miles per hour or 83 kilometers per hour, and two spiral lift hills. Arrow would make it their first version of a large-scale thrill coaster in 1972 with Astro World's Dexter Freebridge's electric roller ride, an 88-foot or 26-meter-tall custom mine train with one large lift and an emphasis on large drops and high turns. So in 1972, when King's Island's Eraser officially marked the return of the large-scale wooden coaster, the stage was set for the second golden age of the roller coaster. The immediate effect of the racer was the proliferation of large-scale wooden coasters by legendary designer John Allen. Allen would build two additional racers for King's Entertainment, the Rebel Yell at King's Dominion for 1975 and Thunder Road at Carowinds for 1976, and two Woodies for Six Flags, the Great American Scream Machine at Six Flags Over Georgia in 1973, and Allen's final coaster, the Screaming Eagle, at Six Flags Over Mid-America in 1976. As this, at the same time as Allen's renaissance, both Arrow and Schwarzkopf were pushing the boundaries of what steel coasters could do. Starting in the late 1950s, Anton Schwarzkopf took his father's trailer company and turned it into an amusement ride powerhouse. The company initially focused on rides for the European fair circuit, but America soon took notice of this German company, and in the late 1960s, Schwarzkopf's compact Wildcat and Jetstar models began appearing at various American theme and amusement parks. The development of the Speed Racer line, which started with Big Ben in 1971, would eventually lead to additional custom installations and evolutions in the product line. In 1976, the Speed Racer line would reach its climax, the opening of the first vertical loop of our modern times, Revolution at Magic Mountain. In 1977, Schwarzkopf would go on to install a second custom looping coaster at Hershey Park, Super Duper Looper, and also debut their launch loop model with White Lightning and Carowinds, Tidal Wave at California's Great America, King Cobra at King's Dominion. These innovative coasters utilized a weight drop system to propel the coaster through a vertical loop, up a spike, and then falling back down through the loop into the station. Arrow had taken a different approach to bringing the inversion to modern coasters when it debuted the corkscrew in 1975 at Knott's Berry Farm. Utilizing the improvements in track technology they had developed for various mine train installations, Arrow thought to approach the inversion not as a vertical loop, but as a drawn-out barrel roll, with the justification being that this corkscrew shape would provide more consistent forces throughout. 
1976, the company would debut their iconic teardrop vertical loop in Cedar Point's corkscrew, alongside multiple standard corkscrew coasters and the first coaster to feature back-to-back vertical loops, double loop, at Ohio's Geauga Lake. Arrow would also debut their version of a launch loop in 1977, with Kings Island's Demon, Circus World's Zoomerang, and Loop Coaster at Massachusetts' Riverside Amusement Park. Arrow utilized an electric winch launch system, which was unable to attain the speeds of Schwarzkopf's system, and compensated for this by elevating the ride station and including a reverse launch platform at the other end of the coaster. In 1978, all these various trends and developments would lead to what I describe as the first great coaster year of the second golden age, a year where large-scale custom roller coasters debuted across the entire country. Arrow and Schwarzkopf would continue to build their various production models, but they would also be contracted to build multiple record-breaking coasters. It was a year which saw the debut of some first-time elements, broken records, and some of the most iconic coasters of the 1970s. Schwarzkopf would be contracted by Six Flags to produce custom double-looping roller coasters for Six Flags Over Texas and Six Flags Over Georgia. With the southern locations of these parks, they ended up being among the first new coasters to open in the 1978 season. On March March 31st, Six Flags Over Georgia would debut Mindbender, a stunning terrain coaster that features a top height of 80 feet, or 24 meters, top speed of 50 miles per hour, or 80 kilometers per hour, and a marketed three loops, two forceful vertical loops, and a large loop-like overbank turn. For Six Flags Over Texas, Schwarzkopf would manufacture the Shockwave, which would debut as the tallest at 116 feet or 35 meters, and one of the fastest at 60 miles per hour or 96.5 kilometers per hour coasters in the world. It also features back-to-back vertical loops, an element that would go on to become a signature for Schwarzkopf's 1980s looping coasters. Six Flags opened Shockwave on April 22nd, and it remains one of the park's signature thrills. Arrow had also bid for these Six Flags contracts, but they would have the art opportunity to build their most ambitious looping roller coaster to date elsewhere. Busch Gardens Williamsburg would debut Arrow's Loch Ness Monster on June 2nd. Nessie reaches heights of 130 feet or 40 meters, speeds of 60 miles per hour or 96.5 kilometers per hour, and most famously features a pair of interlocking vertical loops. An element Arrow had debuted a few days earlier with Lightning Loops, a set of interlocking launch loop coasters that opened at Six Flags Great Adventure on May 23rd. Loch Ness Monster and the Six Flags Schwarzkopf marked the steel looping coaster coming into maturity and cemented their place beyond a novelty or a fad. With John Miller retired from coaster design and construction, parks had to turn to different manufacturers when they sought to build wooden coasters. Arrow's other record breaker would be Gemini at Cedar Point, which held its grand opening on June 17th. This double-tracked hybrid coaster had the appearance of a large-scale woody, but essentially shares the same train and track design as Arrow's mine trains. Cedar Point quite famously marketed Gemini as the highest, steepest, and fastest roller coaster on Earth, But at 125 feet or 38 meters, and with a top speed of 60 miles per hour or 96.5 kilometers per hour, Gemini was beaten in height by Loch Ness Monster and matched for for speed by both Nessie and Shockwave. It also shared a 55-degree drop steepness with Nessie. However, it certainly stood as the biggest coaster in the Midwest, and the high-profile nature of Gemini could be said to be Cedar Point's first real four-way into the coaster wars, which it would become so identified with in the coming years. 
Cedar Point's future coaster rival, Magic Mountain, went to a different manufacturer for their Woody. Inspired by NAD's Montana Rusa, Magic Mountain turned to the successor of the company, International Amusement Devices, to build a massive double-tracked racing wooden coaster, Colossus. Colossus opened on June 29th and was 125 feet or 38 meters tall, 4,325 feet or 1,318 meters long, and reached speeds up to 62 miles per hour, nearly 100 kilometers per hour, breaking any sort of claim on a speed record that was held by Gemini. Like Gemini, Colossus dwarfed any coaster in its region and remains an icon for the park, albeit in its RMC form. The final large-scale coaster of the year would open on the 4th of July of 1978, this time designed by longtime John Allen collaborator William Cobb. Iowa's Adventureland opened Tornado, a 93-foot or 28-meter tall out-and-back woody that marked a significant investment for the small park. Cobb would continue to be a significant designer of wooden coasters, with seven additional installations throughout the rest of the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. This chaotic race to build bigger, better roller coasters seen in 1978 wouldn't be repeated until the coaster wars of the late 90s and early 2000s. And even then, I don't think we've ever seen a year where the height and speed records were met or exceeded by four coasters in that time. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this mini episode, please leave a comment or rating wherever you are listening. You can find interesting articles, exclusive updates, and a range of theme park related merchandise at thecoasterkings.com. For Coaster Kings, this is Ian O'Donnell. Join me next week as we continue exploring the regional park story. Imagine the tallest, fastest, meanest double loop roller coaster in the world! Ten stories tall, 70 foot loops, it's the Six Flags Shockwave, running wild in your imagination. It has eluded man. Vague rumors, questionable evidence. All have led to dead ends in man's endless search for the monster. Until now. For as surely as you hear my voice, the Loch Ness Monster lives. Terrible in its power to drive man mad with fear. See for yourself when the Loch Ness Monster surfaces. At the old country bush gardens, Williamsburg. It was buried alive in ice and snow, but Gemini was too mean to die. It's knowing you would return. Finally, spring came to Cedar Point. Fired on anger and rage, Gemini's cold heart began to pound. Evil rushed through its icy veins. Gemini was free. Gemini, it's been waiting all winter just for you at Cedar Point.